0: The competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and Tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Nick Nanavati. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I am back all the way from I Didn't Go Anywhere, but something did happen this past weekend. The world team championships we have the next few episodes of the show going to be dedicated entirely to that getting different guests from different countries doing really awesome stuff talking about their experience at the world team championships what factions they played what factions they played against the environment of the team format um and to start us off we have a guest who's been on the show maybe a year ago talking about his success with chaos space marines and once again We are talking with Alexander Sacco from France about Chaos Space Marines. Alex, how are you doing?
1: Hello, Nick. Hello, everyone. I'm doing fine. You?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for coming on the show
1: again. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. So... What Alex has been able to do is pretty impressive. He is playing a Chaos Space Marine list. He's got a few interesting player things in there. We're going to get into all that, but he sticks it through thick and through thin with the CSM. He's been able to make it work with them, uh, pretty miraculously in some trying times, especially against a field packed with Eldar and Gene Stealer Cult and custodies and very scary, scary factions. And somehow Sacco thinks that it's a doable job. It's you know in this time of forty K you know, chaos space brings my other tools to see what it takes. So we're going to unpack all of that. But first we're going to get to know Alex in part one of the show. This is a two part show part one. We're going to get to know Alex. We're going to get to know about his experience playing Warhammer in France playing for this year, actually played for team Belgium. So we're going to hear about that experience, how you approach list building, the play styles, the philosophies, and uh, really just unpack what makes you tick. Then we're going to wrap it up with what this list that you took to the war masters getting a top four was really impressive. That's the singles event at the WTC. Tons and tons of players from all around the world, the best players in the world, really gathered together and duke it down in singles before the team event. And uh, Alex mentioned placed top four there in the field, littered with Eldar and GSC and things. So we're going to figure all that out. And then in part two, which is only for subscribers, you can subscribe, of course, on aow40k.com. That is where our patrons go. Appreciate all of your patrons for your support. That is where we're going to unpack exactly how this monstrous chaos list plays, the moves it makes on table, the tax it uses, the str- Strategies and all of that. Alex, are you ready?
1: Yeah, ready. Awesome.
0: Tell me a bit about yourself. How'd you get into Warhammer?
1: So I did get into Warhammer when I was a kid, like everyone. I think, uh, met I wasn't playing competitively then. I was just uh, buying every minis I found it to be cool, uh, painting them the best way I could before. And I had a lot of break where I started my studies and played a lot of video game back in the day. So I had stopped Warhammer for about, let's say, seven years, I think. And just after the COVID came, I took back Warhammer 40k and started to play competitively. For one year, I played only in local store and everything in France uh, before I discovered TTS. And just after TTS, I played for one month. And I got to the LGT that was covered in the previous episode. And I won the LGT after maybe, let's say, six months of playing really competitively.
0: I did not know that. Holy crap. I assumed you'd been playing for a long time and just I didn't know about you because you were in France. But you've only been playing competitively for six months before you won the London Grand Tournament to 500 person plus super major.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I was playing in a competitive environment but a, a local competitive environment and now that I played um, not allowed but some international event uh, I cannot say this is competitive because this is your local tournament with a, a lot of local players, I was just playing the army I liked before, this was sister of battle back in the days and so just when I wanted to become better at 40k First of all, my, my first thing was to subscribe to Art of War. <laughs> um, oh, <Discord>. <laughs> and every lesson I could, I could see uh, on your website. And just after that, I started to play TTS. And the two of these things together, I think, make me win the LGT with a the, the bit of luck on the event and the, a good list building, I think. Um, and after that, I had the chance to, uh, to win a golden ticket to come in New Mexico, I think, All of the Art of War people was there. Uh, I could meet you Pretty much The
0: entire top eight was Art of War people, that was awesome. It was great meeting there as well.
1: Yeah, that was an incredible event, and I really liked this event. I didn't do well, competitively speaking, um, because this was was the first time I was leaving Europe, and I completely underestimated underestimated the jet lag effect uh, on the play, because when I played my games against John, for example, uh, it was for France, uh, 6 a.m. between 9 a.m. I mean, oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> a bit, uh, a bit rude to play the game and I didn't play well, very well. Right. So after that, uh, I got the chance to play in the competitive environment of France because France have, um, really specific, uh, selection system for the WTC. Uh, and I wasn't able to, to prove myself this year to be in the French team.
0: Real quick on that. Six months of playing competitively, you won London Grand Tournament, qualified for the Games Workshop US Finale Series, uh, flew across the country to play competitively, and somehow this didn't warrant your qualification for Team France. Well, how does one actually qualify for that team?
1: I mean, uh, the France competitive selection is, has a lot of history. Um, to be really short on that, uh Team.
0: I'm not trying to dig up any drama or anything. Obviously. Yeah,
1: there is no drama or anything like that. Uh, I'm truly friends with uh, the actual captain. So it's everything is fine. Uh, just to add a bit more context, there was one team that was going every year because I was smashing every French opponent for, like, let's say, five years, I think. And after that, we had a league system created, like in football, Uh, We have three steps of league, and the first of all is the Premier League with only six teams playing two times a year. And the best of this team get to uh, play a tournament with only the fourth best of the six teams. And the best of this team get to be the new French captain. And this year, I wasn't able to make it because I think... um, The French captain did still a good job on the selection. He took the player he was thinking to be the best at the moment. And I did pretty poorly in one of these tournaments in France. So I think this is the choice and why he didn't take me this year.
0: Yeah, it's such a snapshot of time, right? You're making these decisions months and months and months ago and in addition ago as well. So who knows, anything could happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the French team was almost decided in, in May or something like that.
0: Nice. So I want to focus a bit more on your climb to such a competitive level before we kind of break into your philosophy and approach to Warhammer. You mentioned Art of War, which I appreciate endlessly. I really do. And hopefully it was a genuine um, mention there. But what was your approach to actually getting better at Warhammer? Because you climbed the competitive ladder so fast. You know, I spent years and years and years trying to get myself to a point where I could win a tournament like LGT, and you did it in six months. I've never heard of that.
1: I mean, uh, I did it in 6 months, but uh, I played a bit back. I, I I didn't just start playing and 6 months later get uh, to win the LGT I played for, let's say, one year to to learn the rule uh, and everything like that. And after that, I wanted to be good from 6 months. Uh, the first thing is to, um, when you, for example, when you lose a game, you need to take a step back and analyze why you did lose this game. Was it a bad matchup? Um what was the, the, the poor decision I make and everything like that? A lot of people tend to to blame a loss on luck. For example, uh, sometimes it can happen, but that doesn't explain everything of the game. You you could have made a better decision, uh, and if your decision is only relying on uh, an overall, for example, I don't think that's a good decision. Then uh, the best way to to start getting better is to play with better opponent every time. I got my, I mean, I got beat. A lot of time by, for example, Liam VSL, that is a, a Belgian player, a really good Belgian player. Uh, I played on TTS a lot with Nassim, for example, that is playing for Team England. I played. Uh, I tried to play with Vic, but I didn't got the chance to play with him. Play with David Gallard, for example. A lot of name that are really good at the game. So uh, when
0: you're when you're at this caliber of, of player, I suppose it's not that hard to play other players of that caliber. But if you're some dude from France, and you walk up to Nassim from England. I'll just mention it since you did. And you're like, "Hey, could you play me in a game of Warhammer on TTS?" Does that work? Does he just say yes to that? Do you find really amazing players to just play with you, or do you have to like build yourself up? How do you do that?
1: Mm, I mean, that's a bit unfair because I think you have to beat yourself up. Uh, this is just after that I win the LGT that I got invite on some Discord. I could uh, the chance to play a lot of. Great player that was interested in my play style, but before that, you're right, it's really hard to get, like, say, good player to play with you because the good player won't learn many things and he wants to get better. So, we play player of this caliber. Then, the solution, I think, is to, uh, do a lot of theorycrafting uh, of the game on your list, of the game style, um the meta. Do a lot of analyze. There is a lot of websites, actually, that are really helpful. Let's say StatCheck, for example. Uh, StatCheck Review. Um, StatCheck uh, Analyze are really great. Art of War, Listen, Coaching. All of these things can actually help you to, to, to getting better at 40k. I really think...
0: Yeah, it kind of sounds like the tools are there basically to get your baseline, right? This podcast is a great example, but you know, our all of our services, the warm coaching, there's a lot of ways you could just get better. And then playing locally play against your best local player, that kind of thing. And then you go to tournaments and it's at tournaments that you can actually demonstrate your skill. And you don't have to necessarily win to LGT, but putting up a good performance and rubbing elbows with the right people. I'm sure you made friends with Vic and Nassim and all them when you went over to LGT and that's part of how you got into those Discord servers.
1: Yeah, I mean, after that, we become we become friends with all of these kind of players. And this is like a, uh, a snowball. I mean, uh, when you... You get good at the game win event and when you win event you get to participate to even more uh, bigger event and then we need for example and then to meet more and more successful people and after that you get really fast uh, better at the game but for some let's say new people uh, or new players that are in a small environment i really recommend to play on tabletop simulators this is the best thing i could ever recommend because you get to play a lot a lot a lot and meet people from let's say everywhere from country first and then everywhere from the world and you get to rely on so many play styles so many tricks so many things on an index this is the best thing I, I could ever recommend
0: yeah it's so fascinating i feel like there's two different types of players who we get onto the show there's the people who love tts and they swear by, it, like, I live on this thing. I play a game a day on this thing. And, you know, they're obviously fantastic players. They wouldn't be interviewed if they weren't. They they've won majors and super majors. And then there's a whole other camp of players I have that, like, myself included. You know, I don't use TTS. And, like, I've had the luxury of living with Sieg's and being right next to John and Jack and they're amazing playtest partners. But, you know, there are other players who somehow, like Sean Naden, as an example, dude doesn't really play T- TTS, yet he's a wizard. So, you know, I totally agree, like, it's getting games against better and better players is, uh, is, no matter how you approach it, ultimately the best way to get better. And TTS unlocks the ability to do it virtually, of course, you know, physical location no longer matters there. So let's flip the script a little bit and talk more about how you approach the game Warhammer uh, competitively. So I, I know that you played a lot of chaos in your life and you did well at uh, London GT. I think there's actually a famous quote from you on this show where you were like, I always take assassinate, which is the most aggressive thing I've ever heard in my life and like completely is the antithesis of my playstyle. So I'm very curious, how would you describe your own playstyle and list building approach and view on 40K?
1: All right. So yeah, uh, <laughs> back in the days, uh... The Emperor's Children's secondary and the Chaos Space Point secondary was re- just really, really, really bad. Uh, you were able to compete with some codecs like Necrons, that was able to max secondary in three turns, for example, and you needed <laughs> to be able to double your opponent to win. And this is a play I like I play aggressively on the on the game. I I think the best way, to, gi- to, the best way to, gi- to win a 40k game is just to table your opponent. Uh, and every time I try to search an index or a list, that makes that possible. And I think CSM back in the days and CSM right now is one of the best army to do that.
0: You just love tabling your opponent. Like, <laughs> just, I want to make sure you have no models, very decisive victory.
1: I, I mean, if you have no model left to control an objective or to do a mission, then you win. Uh, I don't think that's the spirit behind my, my game style. Uh, this is not that simple, obviously, but having the tool to force your opponent uh, to lose model quickly, uh, to force screen for example, like, let's say, Oblitz. I, I know you dislike them a lot, but Oblitz, Ah, they are wonderful. I really like them. Uh, I replay a lot more of them i think after that but we can speak later um obliques are really good because they force your opponent to screen and to expose you need they don't want to expose and they keep for action and uh, if they don't you have another need to go search in melee if you table your opponent you win i think this is the best advice i can give to to everyone i'm not fit to play uh, defensive uh codex or index like necron for example
0: so there's obviously a different bunch of different approaches to 40K, and I always find it so fascinating when someone just takes a totally opposite approach to mine, and then we talk about it on the show. So you're looking to table people, and that's a very aggressive approach, and sometimes I find that very difficult and full of risk, right? So CSM's obviously a very good codex for the strategy if I'm going to table you to win this game, so we'll get into that. But just philosophically, if you're putting yourself out there, exposing your army, trying to... To get your opponent to die, essentially, you have to go get them, especially in like today's modern game where there's lots of walls, places to hide, people use reserves all the place. It's very easy for someone to basically force you to come to them and then countershoot you, countercharge you. It's a very sound tactic in 40k, sound strategy. So you're almost playing right into that as like, I'm just going to be aggressive and you're like forced to walk into their traps. How do you navigate around that?
1: Um mm, i had a game in uh, in the Warmaster master with ines wilson that is a very de- really really good defensive player he had a really defensive play style and i think the best way to overcome someone that b- building a castle, for example is to make him think you're gonna uh, be an advantage because you're gonna be taking the map and you can make them think if you don't play aggressively, and they stay in their castle, they won't game by the point Because you're gonna take advantage on primary, you're gonna take advantage on secondary, and you take the whole map. So you screen the reserve, and you don't attack their castle, and they can feel a bit, de- let's say, disappointed, but surprised that you don't come into that trap. So, against this type of play, I usually wait a bit, like, let's, let's say, it on three, for example. And when he start to move a bit the castle to start playing the mission, actually, I just went full aggressive on me this turn, and I kill the most thing I can. And he need to take one more turn to kill my really kill unit, let's say a Blitz, uh, Abaddon uh or fortune, for example, in in index, in this index. And if, by that, it's already turned four, so it's too late for him to come back. Otherwise, if you See people, uh, you don't let him the time to build the castle and you go full aggressive turn one, two, three. And if you are aggressive enough, either you tap your opponent or either by the time he needs to come back, you take a huge uh, step ahead on, on points and you can win the game. But that style only fits really well in the solo single.
0: Right. So there's basically two approaches to it when you're playing against um, a, des- a defensive army, basically. Either you you leave them in their castle, you basically siege upon them, where it's like, okay, they're all turtled up, they think you're going to come straight at them, they're ready for it, but then you don't, and you have more board control than they do, so that will translate over time to enough points And then for them to break up their castle and try to do something about it, that's basically walking into your trap now. So that essentially is like creating a board state in which you are winning, and it's upon them to do something about it. And then they're not set up to do something about it at all, which is awesome, but can also be very difficult because those castles. And I'm so curious about your game with Innis because Innis had uh, Desolators and he had Infiltrators and units that are like so well built to sit into a castle and shoot indirect fire while not being Deep Strike upon and basically end the game like that. So how did you leverage the fact that you were maybe keeping him in his castle by taking up the board control, but getting shot in the base turn after turn after turn while this was happening? What was that about?
1: Uh, It's a pretty good example because in the game right now, there is a different type of castle. You need to have a really good understanding of the meta and the game to see which castle you're going to face. For example, let's take a Necron uh, castle you know the necron doesn't deal that much of damage they have some units that are a bit killy but otherwise it's just making save so you know against this type of castle that you can go full all-in and just try to overcome their tankiness by over violence i mean you just need pure violence to get past uh, the castle and almost another time you pass because the opponent think you are not I mean, that's stupid, and commit everything into the the guard pack, for example, but then you do, and almost, let's say, 95% of the time, it, you, you get passed through and the, the wall castle then fall apart. Uh, against CNES, that's really different, because um, the desolizer has the abilities to double you behind this wall, and then the castle works really well. He has a lot of scoot, he has a lot of infiltrator, he has some speeder to play the mission. In this case, you just need to accept that the desolation are gonna kill one single turn. Uh, you, you need to accept that, and once, once you accept that, you can play your mission. You're like, okay, this unit is gonna die, that's fine. And in CSM, you have the abilities, at least on one Nurgle unit, to make this unit don't die. And that's a key in the match. So you need to get rid really fast of the screen. And I think you're going to be covering that later. But again, the, nef- uh, the game with Ines, turn 3, I just get rid of all of the screen. Everything that was a screen. So that was uh, 10 infiltrators, 10 scoots, uh, a tank that I can't remember the name, uh, land breeder, um, a land speeder, sorry, and a primary slibarian. I just killed everything in one single turn. So it was left with 5 scoot. Isolation and the world time is breaking three.
0: How were you able to come down and kill all the screens? Just obliterators coming in and using indirect fire?
1: Uh yeah, two units of chosen that we might be covering later. And uh, this unit of chosen are really, really, really good at cleaning screen because they disembark from Areno, advance and charge, you can, and they are they do so much damage that they get rid of, of almost every skin. Uh, they just don't kill uh, Walter Brick or Necronnish Guard, so that's fine, I mean. Uh, we'll get
0: into the actual matchups and specifics for your list in part two. I'm so excited, because obviously it ties so into how you pilot your army that you can't even talk about one without going into your list, which I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, just, no, it's all good. Just to talk about the philosophy of it a little bit more, um, and your aggro approach to the game where you're just trying to table your opponent. It's basically like... You approach every army individually, right? Like what kind of castle or what defense are they going to try to use to stop you from just killing all their stuff? And, you know, the the defenses space Marines put up is very different from the Necron defenses that they put up, as you mentioned. So you have to understand that and dissect it. And it's not a one size fits all aggressive approach to solve. How do you game by game determine what your priorities are, like in the Space Marine match you we were just talking about, you cleared all of his screens so that he wasn't able to keep scoring points so that you were able to actually get a, a leg up despite getting shot by desolators, whereas like in the Necrons, are just hitting him over no and over. Necrons, it's kind of obvious, right? They, they come back to life, just hit them. But how do you approach it more match by match by match, I guess?
1: Uh- this takes a lot of time, but you need to read all of the index, obviously, and you need to just not read. Have a real understanding of what the index does. Uh, Sometimes you can just gain a free time by just watching, for example, which Army win some GT, and you can see a pattern start coming. So there is a Craft uh, craft or Delta with let's say, two lists. Uh, there is GSC with one type of list. There is uh, Space Mines with every time the same type of units, so let's say Desolator, Infiltrator, Scout, And every time you see some key units. And you need to understand what this key unit does in the army. So uh, either you are really good at theorycrafting and you can do it alone at home. I know some players do that. But personally, I prefer to play a game one or two times against a good opponent who played it, uh, and then I can see how it works on the board. I'm like, okay, this unit does that, all right, I can kill it with it, mm, okay, that's fine. I do a lot of hammer, uh on some websites that does really well, to see, okay, is, is this my unit able to kill this unit almost every time? If yes, that's a good unit to take, because I'm gonna face, uh, let's say infiltrator, for example, is my unit of chosen able to kill 5 infiltrators every time? Yes, that's a good unit to take because I'm going to face Infiltrator. And every time I build like that. Uh, there is so much in for TK that you are not able to build a perfect list to play against every list. Uh, my list had a lot of trouble against Crafter Daldar and I was lucky to not meet them until the same if for example. Uh, but I knew I was able to play against GSC because I had the tool to do that in my list.
0: I'm so excited to talk about how you actually took our space screens and BGSC GSC with it. And that's fascinating. And you didn't even do it with Terminators and putting the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk about your experience at WTC and the Warmaster singles. You, you played did you play the same list in both?
1: Yeah, I play the same list in both. There is a two different philosophies. Uh there is a lot of people that take the same list in both. And uh, because you can train, you have like say three, six game. To train your list and to get in good condition to play the team event. And there is another type of people that uh, take a different codex or different list to hide the strategy, for example. Uh, Australian did that actually uh, this year. They, they did take a different codex or a different list to hide their playstyle. Or are some players that just take um, Eldar to win a golden ticket, for example. And this is two different philosophies. In my part, I take two times the exact same list for the two events.
0: Right. So were you just trying to get more practice with your army before the main event? Or did you actually think this was your best shot at placing well in the singles tournament?
1: No, this was only for more practice event. Um, I I didn't think... uh, I I knew Chaos Space Marines was a good army to do result, But I didn't think I was able to go this far, actually. Really? So you actually
0: overperformed your expectations?
1: Uh, I mean... I was lucky to not meet a single Eldar in six games. This is why uh, I I was able to beat every army except Eldar. And I didn't meet them at this army, so that's fine. Right, right.
0: Do you think your army can beat Eldar, or do you think that's just unwinnable?
1: Not my list. I think my list (laughs) is against a very bad uh, Eldar (laughs) player. Maybe I'm able to do something, because uh, speaking of broken armies, Eldar is uh, way more like uh, Leviathan needs. That came out of the codex so they are really good at everything, but yeah. you can play into them They are not like um, let's say the orc buggies or the early queen void weaver They are just impossible to play against.
0: Yeah, you can play a game of warhammer against them Which is impressive because you know with fire and bait and phantasm and overwatch They just have so much chick uh, like just trickery But if you think you can get a good game out of that, that's awesome
1: yeah, uh, actually a lot of codecs, fin, a lot, not, but some codecs can beat them, and I already prepared for the LGT with uh, a little surprise to beat the crafter Deldar.
0: Nice. So how did your team do overall? You played for Belgium, right?
1: Yeah, I think the Belgian team is really, really great overall, because Belgium um, was a C2 team, so we was playing uh, C2 is the second part of the tournament, so it's between the 10 plus, 10, 10 place, and 18, I think. So we did end first of the second seed, that was 10 plus. We ended before some seed one team, like for France, for example, that we played in the last round, and we did the perfect draw, 90 to 90, uh, 80 to 80, sorry. I
0: did see that, yeah. 80 draw against France. Was that emotional for you? Was that a whole experience?
1: We just play against France, uh, against France, and so, I mean, we knew uh the people so that was really good and for me obviously there was a bit of emotion playing against my nationality team is always something <laughs> something yeah. a bit weird right
0: would, would you did you have mixed feelings about that round
1: no 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 uh because that was really clear i was playing for belgium this year yeah. so i was a belgium player for this year so i did the, the pairing along with uh liam as i said and we just try to figure the best way to win the pairing. And actually, I think we might have lost the round because of me, because I did poorly in the last game. If I just did my estimate, we would have won by one point.
0: Wow, that's crazy. That's a really awesome round. Great showing from Belgium, too. Typically, you don't think of Belgium as a top 10 team, but they really you guys showed up this year. That's awesome. If, did you have any... Surprising things or interesting takeaways from now having experienced it. Was this your first World WTC also?
1: Yes, this was my first WTC. First one Master and first WTC. I played in team only in France, and I'm a lot more of um, a solo single player for international. So I was really happy that I get to play with a team this time.
0: How did you find the whole experience?
1: The whole experience is actually really really great because uh, there was the event. Was wonderful. You get to meet and speak with so many people, so many good people. Uh, you meet so many people from around the world that came to play 40k because we share the same um, hobbies. It's just really good. You can just speak to everyone. You have a beer. You have a beer. You come to a table and you speak with someone. Everyone speaks. Yeah, yeah. We we swap shirts. I, I I got back home with. Uh, one shirt from Nassim and Big VJ. So I'm happy about that. I have two Team England shirts and they got mine from, from my team, my French team, actually. So I think this is just really, really cool. And speaking uh, competitively, this year's was really, really good. And I think a lot of people have trained and the overall level just get better and better every year.
0: Yeah, it always shocks me how good the teams are getting, and oh man, like he, like I said in the beginning, this is, WTC is my favorite event of the year, and I'm so sad I missed it, but I do hope and intend to be back in the future, and hopefully we'll get a game in SACO, that'd be awesome.
1: Oh yeah, I really wish.
0: Yeah, I, I do as well. So I think we've maybe beaten around the bush a little bit, why don't we talk about what the list you actually took to the Warmasters tournament placing top four, and to the Belgian team tournament was?
1: So the list I took was Abaddon, first of all, with Cypher, uh, two-time Cultists uh, with Tzenschmark. I played uh, four Blitz undivided, I played one and undivided, two Fortunes of Nurgle, a Chaos Reno of Nurgle, and uh, the Changeling. And the best part of that is I played two-time, five Chosen, with one Chaos Lord in each squad, undivided. So this uh, this was the list I I ran at both events.
0: So let me get this straight. You took Chaos Space Marines, and you got normal Chaos Space Marine good stuff right here. You got Obliterators, you got Forge Marines, you got Abaddon. But then there's no Terminators, so Abaddon's like walking around on his own. And then there's this Rhino with two units of five chosen and Chaos Lords?
1: Yeah, Chaos Lord. Chaos Lord is... uh, A lot of people are sleeping on Chaos Lord. I mean, uh, the abilities... To have a free stratagem that you already used is just massive. I don't think uh, people just estimate how the undivided stratagem is broken. It's uh, just broken. Be able to reroll everything is just so good that you want to have that a lot of time. I love and it. I just sorry, spam, I, reroll I,
0: hits, reroll <laughs> I,
1: I just reroll everything. I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot that I had five possessed undivided as well.
0: Five hundred. Uh, uh, yeah, another. Failure.
1: Yeah, said you don't do well, so I forgot about them. But
0: <laughs> that was one of the units. I'm like, why is this here? But I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious to see how you put this all together. I The, the Lord Tech with the Chosen. We're going to unpack all that in part two, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the first part of our WTC coverage series where we're going to talk about so many different players from different countries, um, and their WTC experiences and their armies and how they use them. In part two of this episode, which is available on Patreon, AOW40K.com, you can access not only part two of this show, where we're going to talk about the Chaos marine list in detail, its steps, its tactics, how he uses all of it into various problematic matchups, but also you get access to every other part two we've ever done. This is episode 203. There are so, 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 so many episodes to talk about, so many things in 40K, and so many more to come, so please help support the channel, show your support and get access to all those Part 2s and our Discord server. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Sacco, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me again. I am really sorry for my French accent for everyone.
0: (laughs) No need to apologize. Listeners, apologies if it was trouble to hear this one, but the information is absolute gold coming out of this, man. We'll see you all in Part 2, everybody. Like what you just listened to? out art of war down under and
1: art of war unbroken on the competitive 40k network the art of war 40k.com